Thanks for listening to the Rebuild as Seattle Seahawks podcast with me, Rob Statham. Apologies for a quiet week. I've been driving through France, Belgium and the Netherlands. I'm now back home and ready for the home straight as we race towards the start of a very important NFL draft for the Seahawks. I have been able to keep up with all of the various reports and opinions doing the rounds over the last few days, though. And frankly, if there was ever a time to tune out reporters, this is it. On the one hand, Peter King told Mike Florio this week that one GM told him that only one quarterback, Kenny Pickett, would be drafted in round one. Jason Nakamfora, meanwhile, says he won't even read a mock draft that doesn't have two quarterbacks in the top ten. The more reporters you listen to, the different kinds of opinions you'll hear. What is clear, though, is that nobody knows anything. Teams are not out there divulging their private information. They're not telling anybody who they're going to draft, whether that's a team, a reporter, or anybody else for that matter. Sources have hunches or projections or even the occasional factual nugget. But the truth is, it's all one big guessing game that we all take far too seriously at this time of the year. And frankly, haven't we all read enough mock drafts by now? The one source I do trust and listen to is Tony Pauline at Pro Football Network. Tony will join me for an interview later this week, as we do every year. He's proven he's got legitimate sources in the NFL, and he reports without needing to feather any nests in return. He said this week that the expectation is that there's going to be a rush on the top four pass rushers and three offensive linemen in the top 10. And that's how I see it as well. Although I do wonder if the third offensive lineman will be Trevor Penning rather than Charles Cross. Then there's the eighth player to go before Seattle's pick at nine. Will it be Garrett Wilson? Possibly, whether that's to Atlanta or one of the other teams in the top eight. Or it could be Source Gardner. We know that the Falcons, for example, are quite willing to take the best player available. They didn't take a quarterback last year. They took Kyle Pitts. Could the Giants take Source Gardner or the Jets? or the Texans. It's very possible. Either way, I think it's inevitable that Seattle will be sat at number nine, contemplating whether to draft a cornerback, whether that's Gardner or Derek Stingley Jr. or Trevor Penning, or move down. And according to Pauline, trading down is the preferred choice right now. I'm comfortable with it. I've just published an article on SeahawksDraftBlog.com listing 12 players who fit Seattle, and I'm going to go through that in a moment. All but one of the 12 are likely to be available. And I think having a lot of picks and getting the right players who fit your preferences and philosophy is the key to this draft. The Seahawks need to build. That means adding good players. It doesn't mean saying, well, we've signed Austin Blythe, so we're okay at centre for a year. We can just push that potential need down the line. Equally, you've got to look at positions like left guard where you've got Gabe Jackson. He's not going to be around much longer. And there are other positions like that too, where you just think, if you can get a really good player at that position, take them. Don't push things down the line just to make sure that you've got a complete roster for the 2022 season, which even the most optimistic Seahawks fan must admit is going to be quite a challenge. So when I actually sat down to write this list of 12 players, what I looked for were the traits and the physical profiles that the Silks have looked for in the past. And I've also looked at philosophical 
vision in terms of what the Seahawks want to do. We know they want to be a running team. And I've looked at the positions that they've typically focused on in the draft. And as I run through the top players, you know, I'm sure that many people will read it and say, well, I'm a big source Gardner fan, or I really want them to draft Derek Stingley Jr. Why haven't you put them on the list? And both of those players could easily be on the list that Seahawks would seriously consider drafting. But the fact is that since 2010, when Carolyn Schneider took over, they haven't drafted a cornerback earlier than the end of the third round. And over the last few years, they haven't drafted cornerbacks full stop. They've signed three this year already, and they really like Trey Brown as well. So you could easily argue that that position has been filled, although there is still room for one more, in my opinion, if they want to take Gardner or Stingley Jr. with their first pick. So who are the players that I did list? Some of these names are players that we've talked about before. Zion Johnson at Boston College takes every single box the Seahawks look for in a player. He's incredibly explosive, and we know that they focused on explosive traits over the years. His 3.33 TEF score means he's the ninth most explosive offensive lineman to enter the league since 2016 when we started using TEF. His TEF score, which a reminder is combining the vertical, the broad, and the bench press to create one cumulative explosive grade, well, his score is comparable to Russell Okun, which is the highest pick in the Carroll era to date. He's got long arms, 34 inches. He ran a ridiculous 4.46 short shuttle. His frame is incredibly proportionate, and he just looks terrific. He looks, as I said on the blog, like the best guard prospect that I can remember since starting writing this thing in 2008. And then when you actually watch the tape, there, there are some flaws in terms of pass pro. You know, he's very aggressive, and sometimes it costs him. But he's a really terrific physical run blocker. And if the Seahawks want to run the ball very, very well, then he's a player that they have to consider. And while you can point to, well, they traded for Gabe Jackson a year ago, Jackson wasn't very good in 2021. And he isn't going to be a long-term fixture for this team. He is eminently replaceable. And the thought of replacing him with Zion Johnson and moving Damian Lewis back to right guard is very, very attractive. We've also talked a lot about Tyler Linderbaum and when Carroll stepped up at the owners' meeting and gave his press conference and said that they'd signed Austin Blythe because they wanted a different body type at centre. They wanted a shorter centre going forward. And how much they liked Blythe's wrestling background, well, Carol might as well have just announced there and then that they really liked Tyler Linderbaum, who is almost identical in size and length to Blythe and has an even more impressive wrestling background. He actually had his pro day in the last few days where... He has a projected TEF score of 3.07. He's not done a bench press score. If he benches more than 26 reps, which was the average at the combine, then that TEF score will be even higher. He ran a 4.38 short shuttle and a 4.9840. It's a terrific profile in terms of athleticism. And he would be a great fit for this scheme. You know, he's not going to fit every team. The kind of teams that he would fit are not going to be a position to draft him. The Miamis, the LA Rams... People like that. San Francisco 49ers, they just don't have the, the high picks. They don't have a first-round pick to be able to go after him, and they're all picking towards the end of round two as well. So the options simply aren't there in terms of rivals drafting Linderbaum, and he may well last to number 40 as a consequence for that. The Six might not have to move up and get him, but frankly, I would not be disappointed if they did. If you want a centre who is a bit smaller, who fits this kind of physical profile, then I think Linderbaum will be a terrific pickup for the Seahawks and has got that potential, yes, to be an all-pro and 
look after years and years and years of scrambling around for a center, wouldn't it be great to think that they have got maybe an eight to 10 year starter at that position? You look elsewhere, they haven't drafted a or signed drafted anybody yet, but they haven't signed a tackle to either replace Brandon Shell or Dwayne Brown or be some kind of heir apparent. And Trevor Penning, as much as he has a lot of flaws that we will talk about, he's a great test tester again, very explosive, 3.03 on a 6.7, 230-pound frame. You know, they are going towards the Rams blocking scheme. Well, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, their two uh, tackles in LA are almost identical in size to Trevor Penning. And he ran a 4.89 in the 40 to further illustrate his athletic potential. Now, I have a lot of issues with Trevor Penning. And, and anybody who has studied all of the 1v1 reps at the senior bowl that I have will know why I've gone from talking him up all the way through the college season. The first player that I really wrote about at the start of the, the, the college football season in September as a potential target for the Seahawks and thought he would go very, very early in the first round. But the senior bowl really put me off. I thought he tried too hard to be a tough guy and it made it seem like more of an act than anything that was kind of natural. He was getting beat too often. Um, he, he had all sorts of issues with the inside counter. He went to compensate for that. Then he was getting beat with speed to power and getting shoved off his point. He can't anchor it off the edge. I think he might have to play 1v1 head up, which means he has to kick inside to guard. I think at the very least, he has to play right tackle in year one. Now, I could easily imagine the Seahawks taking him putting him at right tackle and then re-signing Dwayne Brown and then maybe thinking, well, Penning can play a year or two at right tackle, then it can be the long-term answer at left tackle. And that is a plan. You have to accept that's a, a plan that makes some sense. I would just personally rather see them go in a different direction, but it is very, very realistic that they take Penning at number nine or after a small trade down. And that is something that fans should prepare themselves for. Another offensive lineman on the list is Cam Jurgens. Now, he's a little bit taller than Linderbaum. He's six foot three, but he's still 290 pounds. He has great length, unlike Linderbaum, 33 and a half inches. He is a 3.34 TEF score. It's the eighth most explosive lineman since we started doing TEF. He ran a 4.9240 and a 4.49 short shuttle. He is incredibly aggressive. He loves to get to the second level and block people. I mean, he is every bit as exciting as Tyler Linderbaum. He's probably got even an even higher ceiling, but maybe lacks some of the technical quality that Linderbaum has. But he would be another terrific option to nail down the center spot for years to come. And the final offensive lineman that I listed amongst the 12 is Logan Bruss. Now, he doesn't get much national attention, but he's explosive. 3.08 in tech. He's got 11-inch hands, and he uses them to strike control and bully defenders as a right tackle he's got decent arm length over 33 inches and he ran a 455 short shuttle at 309 pounds so he is a player who has played right tackle and guard at wisconsin we know the seahawks like linemen to have versatility we know that the rams have drafted or signed college football tackles and then moved them inside and that is something that they could do with logan bruss as well yeah very least they could try him at tackle first and then moving inside down the line. Who knows whether Damian Lewis, for example, with his size is going to be a long-term fit for this scheme if things start clicking. So I think Bruss could easily be a target for them as well. And I think the fact that so many names on this list are offensive linemen should push them in that kind of direction, that this is a great chance in this draft to really build a new progressive offensive line in this new scheme and take your running game to the next level. If you want to run the ball really, really well, then set up an offensive line to do that. And it's why I'm really open to them trading down, 
drafting Zion Johnson, trading up from 40, drafting Tyler Linderbaum, and then having a great interior offensive line and getting a running back that we're going to talk about in a moment. And then sort of saying, okay, there's the vision. This is what we want to do. This is our philosophy. Let's go with that. Other names on the list. Jermaine Johnson is on the list. He's not going to be available though. Forget it. He and the other three uh, top pass rushers are not going to make it tonight, but I had to put him on the list to sort of say, look, that was probably their plan A. And now they've signed Uchenna and Wosu because they're not going to get plan A. Who else could they get? And the name that sort of sticks out to me, having looked at all of these players that are available, and there's quite a long list of defensive ends, is Sam Williams at Ole Miss. I was listening to Lane Kiffin speaking to Rich Eisen this week. Kiffin was talking about Matt Corral predominantly. He was then asked to give another name of a player from Ole Miss who's going to go into this draft and have an impact at the next level. And he plumped for, for Williams. Basically said, if he goes to the right place in the right program, in the right environment, then he can be a superstar. And I think what he means with that is he needs the right kind of coach. And look, Carol's going to ring Kiffin. He's going to ring Lane and Monte Kiffin to speak with this guy. Monte Kiffin's on the staff at Ole Miss. And he'll get all the information he needs. And I get the sense that probably they will be comfortable drafting him. And there are some slight character, not slight character, but there are some character flags that are fairly serious, actually, that they will have to reason themselves with, but they'll get all of the intel that they need. Why is he a fit? A reported 1.52 10-yard split, which is incredible at 261 pounds, a 4.4640. He has plus 33 in charms and his agility testing is okay, 4.36 short shuttle. That is the kind of player that they go for. He wins off the edge, great pass rusher. They want that. As a rotational pass rusher, can definitely see him being a target. At running back, Damian Pierce, been talking about him for months. If I had to put money on anyone being a key target for the Seahawks, it'd be Pierce. He runs like Thomas Rawls on a frame of Frank Gore. He runs through contact. He finishes runs. He energizes teammates. He did it at Florida. Wasn't giving enough snaps at Florida, but he did it. And that runway getting to the end zone against Florida State without his helmet is key. Point on that. Um, but he also did it at the Senior Bowl as well. I think he pass blocks pretty well. He can be a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. For me, it, it's a no-brainer for the Seahawks to take Damian Pierce. And I think the only thing that will stop them is somebody else sneaking in there and taking him before they get a chance to draft him in round three. I think at linebacker, of the, of the 12 names that I mentioned, I could only put two of these linebackers down, but frankly, I could have put about 10 down. Channing Tindall, 4.4740, jumped to 42-inch vertical, reportedly ran anything from a 4.07 to a 4.18 short shuttle, flies to the ball carrier, made that great play on special teams at the senior bowl where he ran from one end of the field to the other. Even if he doesn't start in year one, remember Jordan Brooks didn't start in year one, he can have a major impact on special teams, compete with Cody Barton. I love Channing Tindall as a prospect. And the other name that I mentioned was Troy Anderson because just the, the amazing physical profile that he has. He has a 407 short shuttle, which they love. He combined that with a 6773 code. A 4.4240 at 243 pounds is explosive. 36-inch vertical, 10-8 broad jump. I mean, in terms of athletic profile, maybe he will just be a better athlete than a football player at the next level. Who knows? But I think he's a pretty good football player based on what we saw at Montana State, both offensively and defensively, because he played on both sides of the ball there. But I also think it just he showed enough at the senior ball to believe that he could be more than just a great athlete. And the final two names that were on the list, Logan Hall. Look, he has got 32 and three-quarter inch arms. I'm not sure that a quarter of an inch arm length is going to be a huge deal breaker for the Seahawks, but it, it is something to mention. But they've traditionally gone after uh, defensive tackles and inside-out rushers who run very, very, very well in the short shuttle. At 283 pounds, he ran a 4.44 short shuttle. That is in their ballpark. On top of that, 
16.2% pass rush win percentage was by far the most among interior players in this draft class. And his run-stop percentage of 9.2% is really good as well. Now, look, there are issues on tape. He plays too high. He's reckless in terms of this. There's no real plan to his pass rush. He's kind of just head down, bull in a china shop, go for it. And it needs to work out a plan. He had the same issue at the senior bowl as well in terms of the 1v1 reps that you see on tape. So he's going to take some time. He's going to need some work. I think sitting in behind Quinton Jefferson would be a great idea and then introducing him slowly over time with the upside to be something really special. I think that is something that, that would be appealing to the Seahawks and he could be a target for them. And the final name was Percy Butler. It was easy to end the list with him because he's just a special teams demon. He is such an aggressive gunner and we know the Seahawks love special teams. They want to complete the circle. Special teams running the ball and offense and a great tone setting defense and Percy Butler will enable them to do that and he's a really fast run of 4 3 6 uh, 40 and could easily be some nice depth at free safety they've kind of got a lot of safeties on the roster but none of them could really develop and play free safety and he's got the speed who could do that so they're the 12 you know check out silkstrapblog.com to read the list in full I just keep coming back to this thought that you know unless you really believe that Derek Stingley Jr. is going to be like a true blue chip you know, the next big thing that is Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson type quarterback. If you believe that, then take it. But if you don't believe that, whether you don't trust the list Frank injury, you don't trust the last two years, whatever it is, personally, I do. I think Stingley Jr. could be fantastic. I would happily take him at number nine. I will not believe they do that. If you don't believe that, and I think Stingley Jr. is better than Source Gardner, by the way, but if they don't fully believe in him, trading down, getting another pick, and I do think that they're going to get offers to move up to get ahead of the Jets, whether that's because of receivers, tackles, cornerbacks. Certainly if Source Garner and Derek Stingley Jr. are still on the board at number nine, I could see the Houston Texans, the Minnesota Vikings trying to trade up for a cornerback. That's going to be an option there. We could see teams trying to get to Trevor Penning or Charles Cross ahead of the Jets. You know, receivers as well. It's Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. You know, you've got Jets, Commanders, who are going to be looking at receivers. Saints might want to move up receiver. Chargers might want to move up for a receiver, a tackle. Ravens for a tackle. I mentioned Texans and, and Vikings in terms of quarterbacks. I think nine is going to be the spot. I don't think anyone's going to trade ahead of Seattle, but I think nine could be the spot when a trade down happens. And you could get a good offer. It could be a second round pick. It could be a third round pick. I, I, I think you could get a good day two pick for moving down just a few spots. And I would be completely content with that as well if you end up getting a Zion Johnson, who I think can be really good for a long time. And then giving you the chance to maybe move up again from 40 to, to make another move to go along with that. Whether they're going to do that or not, I don't know. I kind of get the sense that we are going to see a tackle taken amongst the top three picks simply because of the huge need they've got there. I think they're definitely going to take a linebacker quite early because they haven't replaced Bobby Wagner at all. And I don't think Cody Barton and contract year is going to be just, yeah, that we're fine with that. And we don't need any real depth behind him either. And, and then I think pass rusher as well is going to be a key need. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback early, but that definitely becomes an option too. And I don't think DK Metcalf is going to get traded because what we're here now, I'm recording this on the 16th of April and it's gone completely quiet. It just seems like no team is going to be willing to make the kind of offer to tempt the Silks to part ways that teams are probably willing to offer like a first round pick or a Devontae Adams type trade. I think the Silks want more than that. And I don't think the Jets and the Packers and the Saints and teams like that are, are going to go that far knowing that they have to immediately pay 
DK Metcalf are huge contracts as well. So I think he's going to be staying. And I don't think they're going to get that extra stock. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. We're less than two weeks away now. And it's going to get interesting. So stay tuned to SeahawksDraftBlog.com for the best coverage of the draft ahead of what is going to be a momentous few days for the Seahawks when it eventually comes around at the end of the month. Uh, stay tuned to the podcast. Please subscribe. Leave a positive review if you're on Apple. Like and subscribe if you are on YouTube. And thank you to all of you for all of your support over the last few months. You've been listening to The Rebuild, the Seattle Seahawks podcast. Until next time, bye for now.